everybody, it's Microphones of Madness, I'm Rodney, over there, Steve. Hey. And today we are going back to the before times, <laughs> the recent before times, uh, with a look at the collection How Long Till Black Future Month by N.K. Jemison. That's right. This is a collection of short stories uh, originally published in 2018. Uh, but the soft cover came out in 2019. Semi before times. Yeah, the, the before before COVID, but during the orange um, the nightmare. orange menace, the orange nightmare. <laughs> yes. The <laughs> now these are these are short stories that date back to uh, 2004. I think we were just saying before. Right. So it is a collection. It's a collection of short stories by N.K. Jessamine. Um She says in the introduction that she never intended to be a short story writer, and she kind of almost had, I won't say disdain for short stories, but she definitely didn't want to have anything to do with them until she took a, this is all in the introduction, she took a, uh, a workshop course that basically told her, well, you know, you might not like them, but they are really good for helping you practice uh, getting your thoughts across in the limited space <laughs> and helping you write more terse um, prose. Mm -hmm. And she grudgingly admits that it helped her with her novel writing. There you go. So kind of a, an artifact of, uh, you know, the, the chore she didn't want to undertake. Right. Well, yeah, it's like a, a kind of a peel back and see how the soup is made kind of thing or sausage or whatever they make these days. Yep. Now, this this is kind of a chunky collection, 22 stories. Yeah, it's pretty big. And I think we should probably not go blow by blow here. We'll be here all night. <laughs> we'll be here. Uh, we'll be here for uh, till till uh, June, probably. <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, so, like that. So, uh, why don't we? What 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 stories grabbed you the most? Um, you know, like most collections, you know, it's it's kind of a cop out these days to say mixed bag, but uh, yeah, there were some there were some that I enjoyed a lot, some that uh, not so much. Uh, I was have well, to say the ones that grabbed me right away were Red Dirt Witch, La Alchemista. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed. I, I liked uh, Alchemista as well. Uh, Storyteller's Replacement was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, Cuisine de Memory. And it, it, this could have been like, because I read both of those stories near dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she has a couple of stories, and, that, and both of them are ones you mentioned that are about cooking. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, science fiction food stories. Right. <laughs> And, but I, Which, yeah, I, that's actually both of those stories were I thought were were highlights in this collection as well. And uh, Cloud Dragon Skies was a pretty good one. I like that one. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sinner Saints, Dragons, and Haints in the city beneath I, the waters. I knew you were going to say that. The the capstone I, I of the knew collection. You'd say that. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Um, yeah, that's like the Manola one. 
Yeah, that's full on Orleans. Yeah, full on. But it's still, still, it was a, an interesting, an interesting take on uh, the immediate events post Katrina. Rodney is from that area, so there's a soft spot in his heart for all things Louisiana. That's right, and and given the weather in Maryland and recently, <laughs> holy shit, yeah, yeah. So we're both on the East Coast, and we just got dumped on. Well, you guys got dumped on. Um, we managed yeah, we to scrape by um, with uh, a little bit of ice and and maybe half an inch to an inch. We oh, just, we had like we had power going out all over the place. Not here, but uh, people without power in the freezing cold, record low temperatures, oof. record snowfall. It was a uh, but fortunately. This is Massachusetts, and we're prepared for stuff stuff like that, right? <laughs> Unlike, say, Atlanta or Texas or Texas. Womp womp. Yep. Uh, what hey, about Texas, you? What's uh, South Mexico? <laughs> what, what's uh, what's your list of favorites? Um, uh, some of them are are the same as yours. Like I, I liked uh, La Camista a lot. Um, and I really enjoyed um, the um, Jesus. Why can't I think? Jesus, why can't I think? I don't remember that story. Uh, Cuisine de, de Manoir, I liked as well. Um, I really enjoyed uh, some of the cyberpunk stuff that was going on in here, uh, such as the Trojan Girl. Um, and especially Valedictorian, mm-hmm. I thought thought was a uh, nice take on that that um, kind of cyber noir kind of thing. Um, and I, I liked um, Henosis mm-hmm. just because it played a little with um, you know form and structure. I, I like when people do that, but don't take it to the point where you don't know what the fuck is going on. And right. I think she did a really good balance with that. Uh, there was one um, that was written. Was it Genosis that was written out of order? That was that was Genosis, yeah. Uh, see, see, that was probably one of my least favorites in the book. Really? Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it because the because the way it was written out of order, um, you got. The twist, I guess, ending at the end instead of at in the middle, right. <laughs> or like towards the beginning of the story, which was I thought was kind of clever. Yeah. So, oh. um, if it wasn't written the way it was written, it would have been kind of a lame story. Yeah, I'll I, give I, you that. I would agree. I would agree, and, and maybe maybe part of my dislike of it was because I was assembling the events in my head. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of mediocre. <laughs> but um, because the way it was written, though, I think took it over the top for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it, it allowed... Um, it, it gave a twist on information that in a regular story would have happened toward the beginning. It would be part of the quote, world building. But she made the world building part of it the uh, background information into the twist. 
Yeah. Now, I now, uh, fuck the chain of events. Right. One that uh, kind of played with, with form, uh, kind of that um, appeased me up, epistolary style. There we go. Uh, there you go. <laughs> was, uh, was the evaluators. Yes, which was another cyberpunkish kind of um, story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very Philip K. More, more on the, the Philip K. Dick end of cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, right, right, and and kind of, kind of also like bordering in that uh, that weird tales kind of area where you know, you know, going in, it's kind of all going to go to shit, and it's just kind of like. The layers of right. the onion are slowly peeled back to see how it went to shit. Yeah, well, I thought one of the clever things was in the in like the beginning. There's this throwaway line where um, they just ask, "Did they eat them all?" Mm-hmm. And you're just, and it's just like this throwaway line. And then as you read the story and get into what's going on and piece it all together, you're like, "Holy shit! Right. <laughs> oh, that's what that meant." Wow, <laughs> which is is pretty cool. I think it takes um, some skill to be able to pull something like that off, and not like because tip- often you'll see in like a weird tale kind of situation mm-hmm. um, where you try and throw something in like that, and it's like you've basically telegraphed everything, right? Um. And in this case, it was just so throwaway, so subtle, uh, almost a joke. It was almost presented as like this back and forth joke. So, you, so my mind just glossed over it. And then when when it came down to the nitty gritty, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's <laughs> wow, wow, that's what it meant." Ooh, terrible. Yeah, that that was that. Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, the Evaluators, that's the name of this story, is up there with some of the, the better Philip K. Dick short stories that kind of go along the same lines. You know, where, where you're discussing things on uh, the nature of, of humanity, the nature of sentience, um, how, where do, do people fit along the, uh, I guess, the spectrum um, in a society where there are extraterrestrial intelligences, mm. um, wh- where does it all come together? Also, um, how how invasive species um, come to dominate uh, ecosystems? Taking that idea and kind of extrapolating it into um, a science fiction story about first contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and you know and. I- I would say the science would, is pretty sound on that one. I mean, if I was some type of uh, predator, that's exactly how I would go about it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so it's it's interesting to delve a little bit deeper into this one. Mm-hmm. So you have a situation when you had a um, first contact had been made with this alien race. Um, and Apparently, the the nature of the alien species was such that the first contactors uh, kind of got everything wrong, like horribly wrong. Horrible. And horrible. so, but the second team that went in um, 
started to discover the anomalies in in the first the first team's report, and uh, then went missing. Right. And so this is, this is it's basically a bunch of emails back and forth between people trying to cover their asses. Right. Right. And and some and some uh, uh, recordings of, of right, right. interviews and that kind of first contact and, and getting to know the culture. Right. So as the story progresses, you there's there's a couple things that you're putting together as a reader, like A, what the hell is going on? Like the the world, what's what's the situation? And that slowly comes into light. Uh, and the second thing is the actual nature of the alien species. And it's always cool to have um, an alien species and not have it like spoon fed to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that this is what they're going to be. And I think a lot of science fiction kind of does that because they want to get on with the story. Right? right. Right. So, you know, Pearson's puppeteers are blah, blah, blah. And this is what they do. And, and, you know, by the time you're in the second or third chapter, you know, all the pertinent information about Pearson's puppeteers that you need to know. Right. For, for, for Beowulf Schaefer to go ahead and, you know, find out about tidal pull and neutron stars. <laughs> But here, uh, the story is the species. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this is so. So that's where the mystery lies. It reminded me a lot of uh, I forgot the name of the story. There's this Philip K. Dick story where um, it's a colony on an uninhabited, so they think planet, mm-hmm. and uh, it people start going missing. And they start noticing there's duplicates of everything, and it turns out to be a planet, planet full of mimics. Oof. <laughs> Oof. So, That's terrible. Right. It, it, it's terrible, but the way that story developed and um, and and ended up is similar. It wasn't about the people disappearing. Well, it was, but it was more about the end, the twist end, where oh, it is an inhabited planet. And the aliens are carnivorous things that can imitate anything perfectly. So, and that's not the ending to this, but it, it's it's similar, right? Right. So, good. It, it was a. It's a good story. It's one of the one of the highlights of this collection. I think. It, it, it really is. It really is. It, Just in terms of like straight old science fiction story, that's not, not a. I guess it it fucks more with the form as opposed to the intent. There's a couple of stories in here that definitely uh, are social experiments more than writing experiments. If mm-hmm. that makes any sense, like um, the the first story, the ones who stay and fight, was a. Um, I guess a, a conversation night or a rebuttal to a um, Ursula K. Le Guin story. Mm-hmm. So, and there's a couple of those in here that are kind of like, um, this is how I would have done it. Right. Right. And that's fine. And you know, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with, with riffing on something. No, bit. no, no. That's that. That's it's totally cool. Um, it's just, those weren't as um, interesting to me, I guess. Right. Right. I, um, 
you know, those those who stay behind and fight uh, kind of served its purpose, I guess. It was to kind of like, you know, uh, great a little bit, maybe. I, I think it was meant to be kind of ab- abrasive. Um, and then kind of kind of a kind of meant to be abrasive and then kind of a, a, a little bit of a shock to the system because it is the first story and and you know it's supposed to it's the lead off story it's supposed to be the one that draws you into the the many worlds presented in the collection right and it, it, it does it, it, it kind of comes up and slaps you in the face um, I, I would say I, I wasn't one of my favorites. But my biggest problem is that a pike is 10 to 25 feet long. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that they, I think they wanted, I don't think that execution was supposed to be subtle at all. I think it was supposed to be a, um, a statement. I I guess it's. (laughs) What is it? What would be my particular choice of uh, items to, to to do that with? But hey, you know, whatever. More power to you. Maybe it's supposed to catch your attention. I guess. Well, maybe pikes in Utopia are all they had. Uh, maybe. Yeah, they get they get raided by horseback a lot. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was probably that was probably the most grating thing on me is just that the mental image suddenly. <laughs> You know, it's like, okay, they spread out. Did they reveal there's a pike in this guy's back? <laughs> like, uh, being able to see that a little bit better. I don't know. It's, 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 uh, no, no slight upon Jemison's skill at all. That was also the first, I think, the first short story she wrote. Uh, possibly, possibly. I mean, not everybody knows about medieval weapons and stuff like that, you know. And Pike sounds cool. It's very That's stabby. True. It sounds stabby. The word Pike sounds stabby, uh, unless you're talking about fishing, and then it sounds like uh, it's about to take your fucking bait and yank you out of the boat. Yeah, aren't they named Pikes because of their um, shape? Yeah. So still stabby. Yeah, it's a stabby fish. <laughs> like a, like a, I don't know what aeropima means, but in in the languages of the Amazonian region, but uh, that's a very stabby looking fish. <laughs> uh, yeah. So a gar is also a stabby looking fish. Uh, gar's a fucking meat. Stabby that uh, New Orleans area. Stabby. Stabby. Right, I'm a stab so, the gar. what did you like about Sinner Saints, Dragons, and Haints in the city beneath the uh, still waters? It's got dragons in it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's a, at once urban fantasy has also got a little bit of that kind of cosmic horror type of thing going on with because you know the the creature is there it is a monster story and and the monster is mostly unseen but felt you know and right. and I think she did a really good job of uh the presence of the creature without uh 
really giving away what it looked like. Even even the big reveal of it didn't really give too much away. It, it really kept to the indescribable aspect of it. Right. No, I, I hear you there. Um, there was definitely a lot of build up toward it. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to just dropping it down there. Right, right. On you. So, yeah. And and you know, this the the story minus the the fantastical elements are uh, similar to several stories I've I've heard from folks after I was down there uh, from survivors and whatnot things that things that they had to do um, how the how communities and, and individuals within communities came together to kind of look out for each other because mm-hmm. nobody else was well yeah in a way this story does like the thing that is one of my biggest pet peeves, but then turns it around. Um, obviously I don't like it when human, um, human evil is regulated to exterior causes, right? Mm-hmm. Nazis are Nazis. There's no Nazis in this story, but Cthulhu didn't make you, uh, put Jews in concentration camps, right? Right. So they were evil on their own and there's plenty of evil on their own. Um, and, um, and a lot of the shit that went down in new Orleans, new Orleans after the hurricane was evil on its own. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think, clear. and I think some of that evil was implied to have been on its own. It, it totally is, which is what saves, uh, saves is a, is a, is a harsh word is what redeems this in my eyes Mm -hmm. that the big evil wasn't the cause of uh, people getting ignored. Yeah. The bigger evil. Right. It was drawn by that. Mm -hmm. So. Right. And, and and the feelings that this creature caused are are clearly really was kind of a side effect. Of, right. of its existence, not not the cause of anything that happened. Well, e- even so, uh, um, what was his name? Tookie? Mm-hmm. Tookie says that these feelings were in him anyway. Like, right. And just the monster just brought them to the forefront. So it wasn't a cause. Oh, monster's here. I'm going to go burn. Right. It, it was, um, I've always wanted to burn down that neighborhood. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that brought that feeling out. So it, it's, it's, it's a subtle difference, but it is certainly not, um, Cthulhu, Cthulhu made me put Jews in concentration camps. Right. Exactly. So, that I think that that's actually once again that's a hard thing to pull off. I think mm-hmm. to if you if that's your intention, it's hard to actually get that intent on paper clearly enough so that no one is sitting there making that mistake, right? Right, and then saying, "Oh, she's just excusing human behavior. It's the devil made me do it all over again." Because it's not, and it's very clearly not. And uh, there's 
a lot of writers who I guess don't have the skill mm-hmm. to to make that come across, even though the intent might be there. Right, right. No, I get I get what you're what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I think it's it's an easy thing to do. You just get lazy and be like, oh yeah. Well, the big monster made everybody do that shit. Yeah. You know, like human beings are fundamentally good. And, you know, if you're right, you know, like the, the whole argument of the devil made me do it. Right. Or, you know, more, I guess, closer to home, um, you know, you know, the, the past, well, yeah, the past few years, mm-hmm. people's fucking behavior um, you know, the whole January 6th thing, uh, and people coming out of the woodwork saying, I was duped. Right. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, and made me do it. Right, right. You know, but, you know, it's like you opened yourself up to that, though. Well, you were pretty much like just looking for an excuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, I think that's the difference is like, it's not like Tookie was looking for an excuse or anybody was looking for an excuse. This thing, it was really the other way around. The excuses were already there and this thing came down, right? And just magnified them. Right, right. Maybe maybe it was it brought it to the surface to feed or, or something like right. that. Right, exactly. Like things that, that they wouldn't normally act upon. Uh, whether it's because they're rational human beings, whether that they're um, afraid of the consequences, whether that they're like they draw their morals from from their religion or whatever, they're not going to act on that, mm-hmm. right? Right. But this thing, you know, kind of um, switched off the, uh, the the feedback that says don't act on that, right? And mm-hmm. and made people. Not not made people, but but allowed that to happen, right? So, I think it's a subtle difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 the the collection overall is is full of little moments like that that you can really kind of roll around in your head, chew on, uh, and some that are just you know entertaining. I think maybe one or two of these stories are definitely messages mm-hmm. uh, but most of them aren't I, you can't say that um, there's a message behind uh, Laka Mista beyond that uh, food is, is magic mm-hmm. or <laughs> yeah or, or you know cuisine de memoir that you know you know one of our most powerful um, triggers for memory is is Taste is food. Mm-hmm. This is true. You know, and she makes a great point. I love that story. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cuisine de Memoirs is about a couple that go to a restaurant that can serve any dish from any time, anywhere. All you have to do is tell them specifically when and where. Right. And they can, they can make it. Right. And it's Don't about even the, have to the, tell them what it is. You just say. Yeah. Tuesday, January 20, whatever it was, 2022. Right. And, and they can do it. And, so, and it, it has to do with how um, eating this meal from his past um, kind of uh, freaks him out. 
<laughs> right, right. But and, but you know, it's like why why go with the uh, you know why go with the strong memory? You know, if you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna like fuck with these guys and test them out. You know, it's like okay, um, last Tuesday. <laughs> well, because you got to bring out a plate gotta, of hamburger helper, <laughs> right? Well, you got to think that first off, it's very expensive. Yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, but I mean, and, you're going to a place I don't know, like that, and you're going to fuck around. I don't know about you, around. but if I go to an expensive, expensive restaurant, I get something like fairly unique, right? I, I, I guess I, I don't. Know. I try and I try and like get something you know fancy. I, I suppose. I mean, I'm so. I you know you one know. of the things one of the things that uh, has kept me free from from the the plague of the current times is that uh, I don't go to restaurants all that much. <laughs> all right, <laughs> but back in the before times, because even you know, even then, even the before times, before it's times. like yeah, it was it was a habit I did not have to break. Ah, well, good for you. Yeah. And it is you've never gone to like you've never gone to like Tio Pepe's. No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't even know if it's still around. Tio Pepe's was the bomb right near the um, right near the museum, Washington Square, all that. Tio Pepe's Spanish restaurant, fantastic. Uh, I'll keep that in mind if if I ever do decide to venture out. (laughs) <laughs> See, okay, but if you went to Tio Pepe's, you're gonna get something unique. You're gonna get something, you know, that adventurous. And I think that's you know what he was trying to do. He wasn't. I mean, you're not gonna drop, you know, a hundred dollars on the hamburger helper you had, <laughs> you know, when you were like cramming for an exam or what. Yeah, <laughs> but see, but see, at that point, it's science, not. Uh... Not necessarily. I'm here to, to to eat this food because that would have told him all he needed to know. Yes, but I mean, he was still dropping some some bucks on this meal, so I think he was going to at least, you know, go with something worth. I, worth I, the, I guess. The I guess. I guess. I'm. You know. I'm. I could have extrapolated a lot from that instead of the the risk that he fucking took. Yes, but you can always go and grab hamburger helper from the shelf and make it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it, it is very true, and you know there there are probably reasons. I'm just saying that for for the sake of the experiment, I you know I would have tried to challenge something before really you know setting the particular example that uh, was written about in this story. Before I went there, I would have went with something a little, possibly a little more benign. Uh, even if it was something "quote unquote" fancier, you know, I would have went with uh, something that wasn't uh, at the risk of spoilers—a a fresh emotional wound. Yeah, but I don't think he was expecting a fresh emotional wound. I, he thought it was like all some big put on, right? Well, so. Anywho, that's right. So, uh, yeah, what's what's the takeaway? Uh, I'm actually better for having read this. Mm, that is <laughs> that is an interesting thing that you. I don't think you've ever said. No matter I've what we read, read, 
that you were better for for having read it? Well, I've read um, the Broken Earth trilogy, mm-hmm. so I'm not. I wasn't coming into this like not knowing anything about N.K. Jesmond. As a matter of fact, one of the stories in here is kind of a precursor, not not um, like a writing precursor to to that trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's called Stone Hunger. And it's kind of like experimenting with some of the ideas that happen in Broken Earth, as opposed to it, it's it's very similar, mm-hmm. but I don't, but not the same. I don't, you don't have to read it to get anything anyway. Um, and I thought I thought you know Broken Earth was good. It was a little long, so I, I had originally bought this uh, a few probably when it came out and just. It's been on the to be read, to be read, and just never got around to it. So, um, better for having reading it. Uh, I mean that I'm really glad that we took the time to to uh, check this off my to be read pile because um, I think that I would have lost out having not read it because uh, they're you know most of these stories are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, even the ones that aren't as good are still good stories. Right. So yeah, your it's a your mileage may vary, but uh, only one compared to itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as opposed to if I were to pick this up, there's some anthologies that where you're just like, if I were to pick this up and just read it, I'd read a couple of these and then toss it. Right. And I don't feel that way about this. So that that's really what I mean. Okay, it's 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 a good book to read uh, front to back, which is rare in in anthologies. Yes. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Um, my takeaway is is uh, put it onto your to be read list. Uh, if it's on your to be read list, move it to the top. <laughs> Unless your to be read list is like mine, and it's just like, oh yeah, I should read that. <laughs> instead of actually reading it <laughs> right right well you know put it on your to be read list and then actually read it yes that's 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 the real takeaway is get yourself a copy of the book there will be a link in the description of this very episode whoa and, so, and yeah, speaking of uh to be read lists i i guess i guess we can make this announcement here um <clears throat> Oh, uh, I'll let you Jul- July, June, uh, July. That's all, that's all you just pre-order the shit. That's right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can go over to MV Media and uh, pre-order Spy Funk, uh, which features my story, The Standing Death. Yes, and and that's, that's old, actually how it is published in an MV Media book. I'm glad that I'm not. I wasn't the one to have to change your sheets that day. <laughs> I didn't have to change my sheets, but uh, yeah, it's uh, third published story, probably uh, one of the higher. I would say one of the higher profile anthologies. Well, and in MB Media, we do a lot of, of reviews of, of stuff that comes out of MB Media. Yeah, yeah, uh, very, very high quality. CF, CF next week, <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, yeah, it, it's 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 nice that uh, that 
I was gonna say those guys over there, that that guy over there um, took the time to read your story and, and liked it enough to put it in in one of their books. Yep. Congratulations. Pre-order it now, mvmedia.com. And uh, yeah. And until then. Go fuck yourselves. That's right. <laughs> you know, that wasn't going to be the sign off, but at this point. Mm-hmm.